Greetings Timajilam. Karibuni sana tena. Uh, we are now on our 14th second last episode of the Acts series. Um, today's message is going to be in two parts. Uh, today's part A, there'll be part B next week. So consider this the last uh, of, of the sermons of this um, Acts series. It's been an amazing series, guys. It's been an amazing series and the, and, 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 and the season finale is, is, is just as great. I got a word for y'all. got a word for y'all. But I thank God that we've gotten this far to God be the glory. Now, last week we learned about prayer squads and I hope that you guys have begun to action that which you um, heard from that message. And if you haven't, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Currently, right now, I think I have like three squads. <laughs> I really ran with this one. So I'm just like here with my two prayer squads. Anyway, I really want us to get into today's message. Um, as I mentioned last week from chapter 13 of Acts, from here onwards, what we see is Paul's journey and missionary journey, ministry journey to be, to be more specific, uh, which involved a lot of mission work. And so from 13 onwards, that's what we see from 13 to 28 is now the story of Paul's journey. And I, the thing is, is that, you know, Paul's uh, ministry journey was about 33 years of ministry. And this is how him just basically taking the gospel across the Roman Empire, which was quite vast at the time. And I think for us, what we will do moving forward in regards to this is that rather than look at the journey that Paul um, uh, journeyed through, um, we are going to look at his letters instead. And so what we're going to do is that we're going to look at the letters that he wrote to the churches as being able, in a sense, to kind of map out where he was at at this point in time. So we'll probably look at those letters in a chronological um, order as opposed to the order in which they are in the Bible. So by chronological, I mean is when he wrote the letters is how we will go through it is as opposed to the way it is in the Bible. We'll go through it in terms of when he wrote the letter. So the first letter in his early ministry and the other letters towards the end of his ministry. Sour. Now, for today, as we come to the end of this Acts series, um, today's message is going to be um, teaching and somewhat prophetic. And by somewhat, I mean mostly prophetic. Um, being able to really just kind of close this series and share with you what I believe God is saying to us um, and everything coming into perspective and recognizing that there's a reason why we started off at the Acts series. And it is just now that even for myself coming to that realization that this is the journey that God is taking us to. And the reason why he's taken us through this book is for very specific reasons. Now, the thing that is so interesting and why I'm saying this is a prophetic message is because I want to be able to share with you guys what God has been speaking to me in regards to this series and one of the things that um, over the last two weeks, I'd probably say, God has been talking to me a lot and just, you know, really remember when, I, when we talked about the, uh, Peter and Cornelius, and I told you guys that oftentimes when God is, um, you see something often, it's God trying to get your attention. And one of the things over the past two weeks that has been coming often is Joshua, 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 Joshua. And for me, the thing is, is that I had, I honestly had no understanding of how the book of Joshua has any relation to this series. Um, and not even just this series, but also in terms of 
the series that we're going to do moving forward simply because one of the things that was very clear in the beginning of the year is that God wanted us to be able to go through the New Testament this year, beginning with um, the Acts, uh, Acts of the Apostles. And so God is here talking to me about Joshua, and I'm just like, okay, cool. I have no idea what it is about Joshua, but I'm just like, let me just start. Uh, in fact, Joshua is the first series we did in Adulam. The first Adulam series we did was a Joshua series. And so I'm pretty sure that I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not wanting us to do this series again. So I was just like, I don't know what this is about. I really don't know what this series is about. Anyway, so I started watching the old Adilam um, series, the, the Joshua series. So I started watching it. So I'm here with, with my notebook watching myself preach. <laughs> I'm just over here taking notes, you know. Uh, hey, your series is tops. <laughs> it's a very good series. It's quite amazing the things that God teaches us through that series. And so me, I'm just here going through this series, just being mind blown, whatever, all that stuff. And then one day, I'm just here casually, just casually doing random things. And God speaks to me. I think at this point in time, I was probably in like I told you guys, God talks to me a lot in the shower. So I think I was in the shower or within the vicinity of the shower. And God speaks to me and he tells me that Joshua and Acts are the same. That they are similar. And I'm, I, I, when God says this to me, so obviously I don't have, I don't have any devices. So I'm just like, pew, 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 pew. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh my goodness. And I begin to start thinking about it. I even Google the same, you know, in terms of Joshua and Acts are similar. And, you know, there's all these people who've, who come to a similar revelation. There's really nothing new under the sun. And, you know, the thing is, is that when you begin to kind of look at that and realize how these two books are so similar, you know, jam-packed with so much action, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's almost like uh, there are two books which are just filled with just action action you know um there's so much similarity in even how the books uh, uh begin where um in in the book of joshua you see the end of moses and uh, in, in 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 moses's ministry in the beginning of joshua's ministry in the beginning of the book of acts you see the the end of jesus's ministry the beginning of the ministry of the of the disciples right where he commissions the disciples and it's actually quite interesting when you think about even just the similarities between moses and jesus um, um where you know they were both born at a time when 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 uh, the king whoever the, the king was tried murdered a bunch of babies firstborns to be able to get rid of uh, the male children to be able to get rid of uh, these the, the, these guys who had been born so Moses and Jesus both had been um, almost annihilated but only not only just that but it's almost even just the fact that like this this thing actually if you look at the way Moses is the one who led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and Jesus is the one who, in a sense, leads us out of uh, slavery to sin, in a sense, our Egypt, and ushers us into the promised land, you know, um, or leads us out of, out, of, out of slavery, the sin slavery through the cross. And there are so many similarities that we see in the beginning of that. But then the thing is that both Joshua and Acts begin when, at the place where both these uh, prophets, in a sense, and, and Jesus is the son of God, but he was also considered a prophet, where Moses even actually himself says that a prophet like me is going to come. That's probably why you see in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus is talking to both Moses and he's talking to Elijah, right? The prophets. And it's like they will come a leader who is like me, who will lead you um, uh, similar to the way I have led you 
chosen by God. And this was what Jesus' ministry was really about. And the thing is that both Acts and Joshua started about the same time when this ministry has ended and now it's time for these people to go and in Joshua, take over the land and in the book of Acts to be able to go into all the world. Right? And so you see in the book of Joshua, Joshua is the one who is commissioned to go. And in the book of Acts, it is the disciples who are commissioned to go. So each of these guys are all commissioned. These ones go into the promised land. And in the other side, go into all the world. Right? Both are stories of conquest. If you think about in Joshua, it's the story of the conquest of the Israelites taking the promised land. Um, through many miraculous happenings that happened. If you remember the story of the, the Jericho wall coming down and the different miracles and things that God did, um, throwing hailstones and all these things that were happening. It's, that, it's a story of conquest of the children of Israel taking the promised land. And in the book of Acts, it's actually quite similar in the sense that this is a story of the disciples spreading the message of the gospel across the world. It's a story of conquest, the kingdom of God spreading rapidly into the hearts of men accompanied by many, many signs and wonders, many miraculous signs and wonders. And so these two stories are incredibly similar, right? To the extent that even one of the things that was incredibly amusing for me is that I remember when I was doing the Joshua series, talking about um, the story of Achan, right? Which is the story about the love of money, right? If you remember that, 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 in fact, if you go to that, you'll probably be like, I feel like if, if, you, if you haven't watched the Joshua series and you watch the Acts series, like the Lure of Possessions uh, message, you'll if you've listened to that, you'll go and listen to that message about Achan and be like, these things are actually quite similar, right? Where there's a story of Achan, it's a story about love of money, and it's the same thing that is a story of Ananias and Sapphira, right? Which is basically the same same meaning, same, same output, same thing. And so the thing is that there are so many parallels that you're able to see between the book of Joshua and the book of Acts that you, once you see it, you can't unsee it, you know? Um, it's one of those things. But the thing is that fundamentally, these two books are there to achieve the same objective where we are called to allow God to use us to spread his kingdom. This is the thing that is happening in the book of Joshua. Where he's saying, now you go and take the land. I want you to go and take this land. And you'll see this if you watch the Joshua series. There's some people who actually started from the Joshua series. You'll be able to start seeing all these different interesting similarities between that book and the book of Acts. And we're going to dive a lot deeper. And by a lot deeper, I mean that the reason why I'm mentioning this Joshua-Acts similarity is something that is going to come into fuller picture next week's message, right? In next week's message. But I wanted to be able to just lay the groundwork for this, to be able to get you to be marinating on this and about the similarities between the book of Acts and the book of, of, of Joshua, right? Because the, both messages are really about where, whether it's the, you know, where he tells Joshua, be strong and very courageous. It's the same thing with the disciples in terms of that the Holy Spirit comes and he gives them incredible boldness incredible bonus which is what they needed strength and courage to be able to go and do the thing that God is asking them to do right because a lot of the stuff that God asks us to do right necessarily we may not necessarily understand but we need to trust him and move in the direction that he's leading us right and these two books very much clearly speak to us about that about us being able to be courageous in being able to go and do the thing that God is asking us and telling us to do, to trust in him and move in the direction that God is leading, right? And so the thing is that's so interesting is that both these books are about go. 
They're about going, about making disciples. Go and be a witness. Go into all places and take the kingdom message with you. This is a message of go, go, go. And we're going to look a lot more about this next in the next message. However, right? Today, what I want us to be able to have laid the groundwork of how the book of Joshua and the book of um, Acts is quite similar, right? Now, here's the thing. With this parallel, which we'll look at more closely, even as I was beginning to marinate on this, remember I told you this thing is prophetic, right? Is that now, looking at the book of Joshua, especially how we've looked at that and gone through that series, here we are in the book of Acts. And in a sense, God is pretty much saying the same thing, right? He's, 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 the reason why we are covering the book of Acts is because God, in a sense, now has, it's, it's like whatever that message was when we started Adulam, he's saying the same thing to us today. God is calling us out. God is calling us out. That is what he's doing, Right? And if you recall in the third episode of um, this Acts series, I remember I told you guys about the time when I went to Mombasa, that whole story. And I told you about the word that God gave me in Isaiah 43, where he says that he's doing a new thing in Isaiah 43 and verse 19. But it's the whole chapter where he speaks about the fact that he's doing a new thing, streams in the wastelands, rivers in the desert, and that he's doing something new. And he's appending everything that we know and making things new. Now, this is a follow-up to that. And the thing that is, that, uh, that, that, that the reason why this is a prophetic message is because the thing that God led me to, and, and I'm going to share this with you today and also next week, is for us to be able to read the book of Haggai, right? The book of Haggai is going to help us be able to summarize what God is saying to us through the book of Acts. What God is saying to us through the book of Acts is going to be summarized through this book of Haggai. Now, in this book of Haggai, I want us to be able to read the first chapter today, and we're going to continue and read the second chapter next week to be able to completely summarize what we're doing in this book of Acts. Okay? So now, allow me to read from um, Haggai chapter 1. Okay? On August 29th, in the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. Look at what's happening to you. You have plenty, you have planted, but you have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses. It is because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all other crops, and drought to starve you and your livestock. 
and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's armies. On September 21st, on the second year of King Darius's reign. Amen, amen, and amen. Now, this is an amazing thing because, uh, like I told you, park that whole thing of Joshua Acts series being very similar. We're going to look at that next week. Then God comes and he speaks to me about this book, Haggai. Haggai 1 and 2, only two chapters in this book. And the similarity of what, and not just the similarity, and the clarity around what God is saying to us based on what it is that we have been learning over the last 14 weeks. Okay? In Haggai 1, the Lord is rebuking the people because they have focused on building their own lives while neglecting the Lord's house. He says that the reason they never have enough is because their priorities are off. They are more concerned about building their own homes. They are more concerned about building their own lives, about building their, their fancy, fancy spots for themselves and finding things for themselves. But they are not concerned about the Lord's temple, about the Lord's house, right? And this is what he is saying to the people. But then now, in, in bringing this into clarity, is that what the Lord is saying to us as his people right now, is that we've been so focused on building our own lives, on building our own quote-unquote homes, on building our own empires and have forgotten about his temple. We have forgotten about his body. We have forgotten about his church. Now, here is the thing when I say this. What I want you to understand when I say this is that when I talk about his church, I want you to understand this, that we are the church. The thing is, is that for most of us, when the word church comes up in conversation, the first thing we think of is a building. We have this mindset that church is a place we go to on Sundays. And so we get our family dressed. We get through traffic. And then, you know, get to church. There's like a special spot where usually most guys like to sit. I know most people are like, when they come to church, they either left side, right side, depending on where it is, that is your spot. And the thing is, is that it is so easy for us and it has become so easy for us to lose sight of the fact that we aren't just going to church. We are the church. The word church used in the Bible is the word ecclesia, which means gathering of those summoned or they who are called out. So if you look at, for example, in the early church, whom we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks, the disciples, who are the church, met in different people's places. So meaning that gathering of the disciples is what was the church, regardless of where it is that they met. 
So, for example, there was no Corinthian church when Paul addressed them in his letters. Instead, he addressed them as God's church in Corinth. Do you understand it? Do you see the difference? This wasn't the Corinthian church. This was the church in Corinth. This is the church that meets in this place in different people's homes. So this letter was not just a letter that was going to the, church, the, the Corinth church. It was to the church in Corinth who meet in different people's homes as the letter is going around all to the different places that people are gathering to read these letters from Paul. It was God's holy people in that city because people met in people's houses and anyone that believed in Jesus was a part of the church. In fact, in Romans 16 and verse 3 to 5, Paul writes, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. And so the church was never the building. The people are the church. In the, in the Bible, the church is always a reference to the people and not a place. There were leaders within the church who were sent to oversee and coordinate the affairs of the church. You know, some like Paul and Bar Barnabas, like especially like, for example, the church in Antioch. That they, this was in a sense where you notice that when you read, Paul started all his missionary journeys from Antioch. But what he would do while he was at Antioch is that he would come and he would teach the believers who were there. Right? So he would go and he would teach the churches that were in Antioch. And the people who are gathered in Antioch, he would go and he would teach them. Right? So he would come and express his gift together with Barnabas, Barnabas in regards to the way that they would go and interact with the people. Right? Factions, which was a thing that came up, if you look at it, if you look at the story, when, when, when Paul is there rebuking the Corinthians, telling them he's, he was vehemently opposed because to him, his position was that there cannot be any factions within the church. Because did, did, did Apollos die for you? Did Paul die for you? And so his position was this, is that there is only one head of the church, and that is Christ. And that all God's holy people ought to have that mentality as their identity. That we are Christ's body. That we are the church. We are the church. And I remember how many, how, how you know, some many years ago, I remember um, there's a friend of mine who since passed away. And we used to meet very often and we'd meet often and just you know spend time together just you know in fellowship encouraging one another in the faith discussing what it is that we're learning and it's interesting that at the time when we used to do that we used to call that this was many years ago we used to call that church that every time we'd meet and together and we'd encourage one another and spend time together we used to call that church I also remember the times past where there's a couple of friends of mine and um, what we used to do is that we used to meet every Saturday at different people's homes. So usually we'd meet at different people's homes and each you know, Saturday evenings and what we would do is that we would just spend time in fellowship together. What are we learning? How are we growing? What are the things that God is teaching us? And we'd spend time in prayer. And this is the thing that we just used to do every Saturday. And we used to call that church. In fact, that felt more church than what we knew church to be, right? But then the thing is, is that the reason why we split up is because guys were like, hey man, you know, we can't just, we can't just have this as like, we have to actually go to like real church. <laughs> right? That's the reason why, why we, we split it up because in our minds, right, the way that we viewed the church was that it was a place. 
that building, that place that you go to, right? And the thing is, is that when we come and we recognize that at this very time, during this period where COVID is, has happened, I think I've shared this, if you go look at, I've shared this from the beginning, is that COVID has come in many ways to append how we view what church is. That literally places of worship are closed. And God is telling us that I want you to go back to understanding what church really is. What is Christ church? My church, my temple, my house. Not the ones that we've built for ourselves. His house. It has never been a building. It has always been the people. Where two or three are gathered in his name. That is church. And, God, what, is, and what God is saying. That it is time for all of us. Through Haggai. What he's saying to us. That it is time for all of us. To build the church. And how do we do this? Where do we start? And I'm very glad you asked. That if we understand that the church is the people. It is the people, the ecclesia. Those who are called out, gathering. In Acts 2.42, I think that I've probably talked about throughout this series. Give us an indication into this. Where it says that the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That essentially, when we together dedicate ourselves to gathering together to study God's word, because you remember the apostles' teaching is because there was no Bible. There was, the apostles' teaching was the only way in which that they would learn. Okay, that's the only way that they would come and be able to learn. Okay, that as we dedicate ourselves to gathering together to study God's word, to fellowship, which means intentionally having faith friends that we can regularly spend time with and walk with, the breaking of bread, which is literally, in a sense, like for real, like actually, like spend time creating relationships together, gathering together, breaking bread together. And not only that, prayer, literally, just what we talked about last week, praying together. Remember when we talked about prayer squads? That when these things are done, it says here in verse 44 then, right? Not only about that, not only just these four things, not only just these four things, the fact that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It says in verse 44, that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, which is basically saying, help one another. Find ways to help one another. Be generous with each other. First and foremost, with your faith squad. And also together, be generous with others. Basically, caring for each other as well as those outside the church. So care for each other and care for those outside of the church. Then it says that after this happens, that after this happens, after this intention 
of people gathering together to learn. Their intention in meeting together. Their intention in building relationships with each other. Their intention in praying together. Their intention in caring for each other. Led to what it says in verse 47 where it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you remember when Jesus says in John 13 and 34, where he literally speaks to his disciples, where he's talking to his disciples specifically. This is not the one where he says, uh, the, 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 a summary of the commandment, where he says in John 13, 34, a new command I give you. This is a new commandment. This is not the one that he did where he tells them, love your neighbor as yourself, love God, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. That wasn't a new commandment. That was him saying, this is how you summarize the, the commandments. The way you summarize the commandments is, love God, love your neighbor. But he comes and he specifically at this very moment, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Then he says to them, by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the thing is, is that this is the result. The result of people doing these things. The result of people being intentional in gathering together to learn. The intention in meeting together to have fellowship. The intention in building relationships with each other. The intention in praying together. The intention in caring for each other is what leads to the church literally growing, that people would come to faith in Christ because of the love, because of the church recognizing who they are. It is not the building, it is them practicing these things that it says that God added to their number daily those who are being saved. This is the result of people doing this with each other. And this is what God is saying to us today. That it is time to build each other up. It is time to build his body. It is time to build his temple. It is time to build his church. We are his church. We are his body. We are his temple. That he's saying to us, would you be intentional about studying God's word together? That would you be intentional about fellowshipping together? That would you be intentional about building relationships with each other? That would you be intentional about praying together? That would you be intentional about helping one another? And then he says to us that because he's God, you know, this is God is just here standing because he's God. Just so that you know, he says that this shift in focus will result in him blessing us. That we will get out of this idea that we have, we are, we are here just to have this, you know, solo relationship. That, you know, me usually what I do is, you know, me, I, I'm, I'm, it's between me and God. So what I do is that I just come and watch Adulam, right? And then I go and I just, you know, I'm solo. It's me and God and I watch Adulam, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but what he's saying is this, that we're doing all these things, not only just that, not only just that, that we're also just focused on building our own things, our own empires, what he's saying is this, that he's saying that when we shift our focus, that he's calling us to shift our focus 
from this self-driven space to opening up ourselves to becoming the church, the body of Christ. The places of worship may be closed, but the church is still wide open because we are his church. We are the ecclesia. We are those that are being called out. This is the place where we must begin with each other. And for those of us who are listening to me right now, you are the ones to initiate this. You are the ones to start that Bible study with your homies. You are the ones to start that prayer squad that we talked about last week. You are the ones to start being intentional about meeting together, about breaking bread together. And what he says to us in Haggai 1, 12 to 15, is that it says that then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So then the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God. The Lord of heaven's armies, on September 21st of the second year of King Darius' reign, it says here that the people obeyed and God says to them, I am with you. I am with you. God is with you. God is with us. And this ought to give us tremendous joy that God is with us. That we have nothing to be afraid of. We have nothing to fear. That we are able to go and move in spite of our doubts and reservations and act. And act. There is no coincidence that this book is appropriately called the Acts of the Apostles. Because these guys were acting, they were doing, they were devoting themselves. There is no place, there is no church that you can come in and, and abscond and take people to right now. You are the church. You are the one being called out. Go and study the word together. Go and form intentional fellowships with each other. Go and intentionally make time to break bread with each other. Go and intentionally pray with each other. Go and intentionally help one another. And find ways, even if you think about it, like it's not help one another, but even together, as your, you know, whatever small squad of homies, like you guys can actually even decide together that this is how we're going to be generous. This is how we're going to help people. With the little that we have, we're going to pull our resources together and we're going to help mama so and so. Or we're going to help this watchman to start a business. Or we're going to help this guy who needs whatever. We are going to do this together. Why? Because we are the church. We are the ecclesia. We are the house of God. We are God's temple. We are God's body. We are Christ's body together. And the thing is this. God is with us. His Holy Spirit is with us. 
as soon as the Holy, Holy Spirit came on the scene, the people began to act. They began to move. They began to go. If you look at, for example, the church that I mentioned previously that Paul really liked to go to, the one, the church of the, uh, in, in Antioch, of the gathering of the believers in Antioch, this was a church that no one even knows how it started. It was just started by believers. <laughs> it was believers who started it. And then it says that Paul would go there and teach often. Barnabas would go there to check on these guys. But this thing was just started by regular people. There's nothing special about these guys other than just the fact that they were filled with the Spirit of God. And they went and did and I believe today that God is calling us out. That he is calling us out because we are the ecclesia, those who are called out. And he's saying to you, would you find the courage to believe me when I say that I want you to be the church? Go and start that Bible study. Go and start that intentional fellowship. Go and start that intentional aspect of breaking bread with others to build relationship. Go and form the prayer squad so that you, can, you and your friends can pray together. Go and form that squad of people that you can be generous together with, that you can help one another, and that you can gather together to help others. You are the church. We are the church. We are the Ecclesia, and God is calling us out in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Next week, we're going to look at Haggai. You can already start to look at it, Haggai 2. We're going to look at that, and we're going to look at how Haggai 2, Joshua, and Acts all comes together with the same message of God telling us to go where he's calling us out as his church, as his ecclesia, to go out in Jesus' holy name. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that whoever is hearing this, that you would ignite your people. to realize that they are the church, that they are the body of Christ, and that you are with them, you are with us, that we can go and do that which you're calling us to do, that we can build community amongst us, that we can be intentional, that we can dedicate ourselves to that which you're calling us to do. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' holy name that you would infuse them with boldness, infuse them with the courage that they need to be your witness and to heed your call and to move with intention and to become those who act just like the early church. We offer all this before you, knowing that all good things come from you, our Father. 
Thank you that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Thank you for calling us out. And we will be those who will obey your call. Just like they did in the book of Haggai. We honor you. We magnify you. For it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button. Subscribe. Subscribe. God bless you guys.